Welcome back to Being Human is Weird. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Today I have another special guest. It is my friend from college, Danny Stone. I'm so excited for our other friends because I didn't tell anybody to hear that and know that you're going to be on it. I am very excited to be here. (laughs) So Danny, really quickly tell us what you've gotten into recently. Yeah, after graduating from Michigan State with, with you, I spent eight years actually working in corporate America, which um, for the most part was actually a really positive experience. I uh, learned a ton across several very different types of business roles. Uh, moved me around to places like Houston, New York City, and San Francisco, where I currently reside. Uh, during COVID, uh, like a lot of people, I, I kind of started feeling pretty disconnected from my job and realized that it was time to try something new. So investing, personal finance had always been a passion of mine. I was always kind of the the go-to guy for a lot of friends, family, colleagues when it came to investments, tax advice, et cetera. So really decided to take this passion of mine, start my own financial services business doing exactly that. And um, launched last year with Stone Financial Advisor. And since then, I've uh, you know really kind of taken this and uh, spend my time assisting others with all things related to investments and, and financial planning. Mm-hmm. That's so impressive and so wild to think about considering how all of us were in college and now. <laughs> I mean, we're not buying dollar deuces, but I'm sure you could buy a whole lot or invest <laughs> in the stock. For our listeners that either are very young, late teenage years, or parents of individuals in their late teenage years, early 20s, what is something that they should know or be doing already as far as finances and setting themselves up for the future investments, all that kind of stuff goes. Yeah, I was actually just talking about this very uh, subject with, with my sister the other day. Um, you know, we were, we were talking about uh, how a lot of times we were actually gifted things like, like, like shares of stocks from family members. And this Ooh, wasn't cool. like big amounts. This was kind of $10, $20 of Disney stock and, and, and the like, which is tough to kind of explain to, to a kid and get them excited about. But it really kind of put in my head this idea, like from an early age of, you know, the fact that I was a small owner of, of a company that I was aware of, like Disney being a prime example for, for, for young kids. And, and then kind of seeing that amount appreciate over the course of like my youth. And, you know, that, that's something that really kind of stuck with me as a way to really kind of introduce kids and young people to the kind of concept of investing and saving and, and how like that kind of money can appreciate over time. Teenagers and such, there's, there's, really, there's really no better time to be starting to kind of open things like a Roth IRA, especially when you're making the income that you'll be making in your teenage years. It's never too early to start saving for retirement. It's something that you don't need to throw a lot of money at. A few hundred dollars to get started kind of watch that grow over time. Um, The earlier, the better when it comes to those kind of saving accounts. That's really interesting because I never thought about it like that. It was kind of squirreling away cash and then Mm -hmm. putting it in the bank. So what about for people who, when I have the extra money, then I will X, Y, Z. So talk to me about how important it is to just start with putting away $5 a month or $10 a month. It's never been easier to invest. Um, you know, there's mobile apps now where you can be putting away those five, 10 sums of money. I know there's even apps like uh, Acorns where what it does is it kind of rounds up any credit card transaction and throws that extra 20 cents, 30 cents, 40 cents, what have you into an index fund or, or something along those lines. Um, so what I would say is that 
Really, I think what people kind of need to be doing is just making sure that they are saving enough money. But saving is is half the battle in terms of like making sure that you are saving sums of money to be putting into um, these kind of accounts on a semi-frequent basis. Now, what that looks like is going to de- depend on the individual. But I would, I would say if you're even just able to put away some money on a bi-weekly, monthly basis you know, that's going to, your potential to be doing so is going to grow over time. And I, I just kind of like the ability to really kind of on frequent intervals be able to to do so. So whatever that looks like for you, if that's kind of putting away a few hundred dollars every quarter, if that's putting, you know, much smaller sums of money on a regular basis, I would really say just kind of stick with a consistent routine as far as what you're able to afford in terms of, you know, investing those sums of money. Okay. And when we talk about investing those sums of money, whatever they are, and Mm -hmm. however the process looks for an individual, where should they be investing? Yeah. So one of the things that I really kind of do with clients is really teach people to kind of have a more healthy relationship with with money. So I think a lot of people feel this need to be invested in dozens and dozens of different Mm -hmm. stocks and such. I really actually like to kind of take a more simple approach with clients. Um, Even when you have those dozens and dozens of stocks that are appreciating in value, that can be really stressful just kind of tracking all of that information. And it can kind of be, you know, kind of cause you to just get overwhelmed, even when things are going well in the market and such. So, you know, what I really recommend for clients that are just getting started out is is really the kind of tried and true approach of investing in those low cost index funds, Um, but really also kind of picking a few areas that you're interested in. Um, It's always a good thing to be putting money into companies and industries and such that you're familiar with that you trust, that you have an interest in. Because then even if you do have those times where you kind of lose, you at least knew at the time that, you know, your money was going in the right place, that you had a good feeling about it, that it wasn't just kind of like this gambling approach that you see some people take with stocks. Mm -hmm. I've always felt good about investments when I've kind of put money that I feel comfortable with at the time. When you put that money in or you invest, if things start to come down, so you're losing money, Mm -hmm. should you just pull all of that money out of the stock market, leave it in, what would you recommend? Because we're hearing a lot now about people our age doing things like quitting their jobs to do day trading full time and messing around, just putting money in, taking money out. What is the safest approach? Um, It really should be money that you're kind of comfortable using long-term so that when those kind of dips happen, you're not at risk of having to kind of sell that right away and take a loss. I've had things that I've bought that have gone down 50% in price, but because I kind of stuck with it, waited, you know, year, two years, what have you, was able to kind of watch that bounce back and, and, and make, you know, multiples of returns. So a lot of what investing is, is a patience game, not really kind of paying attention to exactly what's happening on kind of a day to day basis and freaking out when you're seeing those kind of like large declines. And also being comfortable that when you see things that have kind of gone up, like taking a little bit out and, and kind of enjoying those gains and such. And we rather than panic selling, waiting it out and, and, you know, having patience that if this is something that you still feel strongly about, that at some point, there's a good chance that that is going to kind of increase and you you will be able to make some type of returns on that. Sometimes it's, you know, a situation where you buy something that's a loser. But, um, you know, I would say the first reaction that people should have when something that they've bought has gone down is not to sell. It should be something that you put money that you're, you know, comfortable kind of waiting it out and having patience to kind of see what the market does over a kind of more mid kind of long term period of time. Okay. And do you have any recommendations on amounts? And Mm -hmm. this is kind of a 12 part question, but let's say I have $50. 
Should I wait until I have $200 to get into stocks and investments? Or should I just put in what I can afford to do right now? Put in what you can afford to do right now. But I think there's actually a lot of things that people can be doing with their money right now, though, just kind of given the, the current financial conditions where, I mean, there's different savings accounts and, and such where you can get a 6% return on the money that you have it, that the money that you have within this account each year. Now, those numbers didn't exist a few years ago. So there's mm -hmm. some things that are kind of going on right now that are really kind of just good opportunities for people to, you know, keep money in like a low risk account that's going to re really generate like a six plus percent um, return on it over the course of the, the, the next year until some kind of things happen with, with interest rates and such. So, you know, I would say that there's this approach of investing that it doesn't necessarily need to be in high risk stocks and, and, and that thing. It's really kind of putting your money to work for you in, in, in ways that, that make sense. It, taking that approach of measuring risk um, and, and things of that nature. Okay, so if somebody wants to invest in something with a 6% return, would that be something like a CD or a savings account? Yeah, so I mean, kind of looking at like what different high yield savings accounts are offering right now. Um, I know things even like with trusted names like American Express are offering around 5%. Um, if you are comfortable kind of locking your money in things like like bonds, treasuries for even just like a three kind of six month period, you know, that can sometimes offer a bit higher return. But I really like these kind of high interest savings accounts because, you know, they give you four or five percent really kind of free yield on the money that you have there. And you can always, you know, it's very easy to, to, to withdraw money from, from it as well. So I think the approach that people really should be taking is any dollar that you have in a bank account with inflation is losing value, you know, over the course of a year. So I think there's kind of this mentality and things that were taught at an early age that saving is important. And saving is extremely important, but it's only half the battle. If you have all of your money just kind of sitting in a checking account and all you're doing is saving it, you're actually losing value on that money year to year with inflation. So it's important to be kind of putting your money to work and, and making sure that it's invested in, in the correct opportunities, you know, in order to be making like sufficient returns on that to combat inflation. Okay, awesome. So if somebody wants to, after this podcast, take some money that they have sitting in their checking account and put it into one of these accounts that are receiving a high percentage of return, is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. Um what what should they do in very basic layman's terms, please? It's a matter of Googling a high yield savings account. So the ones that I've been most commonly referring clients to are from companies like Wealthfront and American Express. So feel comfortable using those. They're federally insured. Um, and what you would do is then you would transfer the money from your checking account to one of these high yield savings accounts where it would be accruing interest on a monthly basis. Now, if you ever need access to that money, you are able to pull that money out of the savings account back into the checking account. But it's really just a matter of kind of tracking your monthly expenses and really kind of using the savings account as your emergency fund rather than keeping all of that money that's just sitting in a checking account, not returning anything. It's just really a matter of using the ones that you're recommending or Googling high yield savings accounts and just moving that money in with the expectation that it's just going to kind of be set there and forgotten for a little while. Exactly. And it's something I'm planning to kind of create a YouTube video covering the kind of exact process for, for you know, how to do these kind of transfers and, and things too, because this is a pretty unique opportunity um, given the kind of current macroeconomic conditions for people to be really taking advantage of this kind of like low risk return. Mm -hmm. Would you recommend that individuals open more than one of these or just 
put whatever amount they can into a singular account? Uh, for 99.9% .9 of individuals, it would be fine for them to just kind of use one account. Mm -hmm. um, it's, yeah, it's protected up to a, to a certain certain amount. And it, I think for it, it's just easier to kind of manage one. I'm always a fan of keeping things simple wherever possible. Okay. And are there costs associated with opening the account or having your money in there? Do they take a percentage out every month or anything like that? Not generally. The bank is making money on your money, but they're at least giving you some of that back. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Because sometimes we have to watch out for that. You know, they, they'll hold your money, but then they charge you 30 bucks a month or whatever it is. Of course. What about extra streams of revenue? Should they be creating side hustles? Can they make money by investing? What's the best way to create extra? Yeah. So that's an, an excellent question. I think it's unfortunate that, you know, there are a lot of people in their 20s and 30s that that feel like they've, they've gotten a raw deal. Um, and it's hard not to feel that way. Sometimes we have a student loan system that is fundamentally broken. Uh, real wages have been fairly stagnant for several years. Uh, housing feels completely un unaffordable in many markets. So, um, you know, I want to stress that even if you feel like the system is working against you, there are some tried and true ways to get ahead. Right now, I mean, the kind of best way to get your finances in order, this is going to feel like pretty simple advice, but it's to really decrease your spending and increase your income. Um, a lot of people really kind of struggle with with that, you know, okay, how do I increase uh, my income? And I think you alluded to a couple great ways. I mean, side hustle. One of the ways that I was able to increase my income was investing my, my money to a point where I think I was making pretty comparatively, you know, investing what I was working, what I was making mm -hmm. from my corporate job. You know, I, I think for a lot of people, the, the best advice I could I could give is, is be comfortable getting uncomfortable. Um, you know, the most successful people I know are the ones that weren't afraid to kind of seek out new challenges. And that's really the best way to kind of boost your income is by learning new skills. It might be a matter of just kind of taking the time to try to really find those opportunities, maybe even pursuing something like a career switch or, you know, it's really just a matter of like making sure that you're kind of always pushing yourself because these opportunities aren't always just going to be, you know, granted to you. It's always kind of networking with people that, you know, are successful, kind of learning tricks and, and, and tips from them, whether it comes, whether it's investing or starting a new business. Um, that's something that, you know, I wish I had done a lot more of in my kind of kind of early mid 20s. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be really the kind of best advice I could, I could give there. That's really good advice. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I know mm -hmm. so many people, including myself, you stay in a position in an environment that you don't like because you feel like you don't have a choice because that's the only way that you can make money and provide for yourself and for your family. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this, um, because it's easy for us to say as two not married and childless, what about individuals who are providing for a family and feel stuck like I cannot leave this position or take a pay cut? What can they mm -hmm. be doing to make extra money without having to leave their job yeah, I would say like in that situation, I mean, you're not just providing for yourself, you are kind of looking after a family. So um, your risk tolerance may change quite a bit in that situation compared to, to somebody like myself. Um, so I would say there are ways that you can kind of try to seek out like it, in terms of managing your finances, it, like balancing a budget, increasing your income where you might not have to take that level of risk necessarily. Um, you know, I would say that like things like 
you know, being just kind of smarter with investing your money. It doesn't necessarily need to be that giant leap. It can be, you know, pursuing a promotion within your company or something of Mm -hmm. that nature. So for individuals that don't have that tolerance for high risk, or they can't create those opportunities for themselves just yet, how do they create wealth outside of their job without taking a high risk approach? Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that I kind of do with clients is really, I have software that, you know, clients really kind of fill out a questionnaire. I have conversations to really determine like what the kind of individual's level of of risk is, and then really kind of make investment selections for them based on that. Um, So what I would say is like, for people that are more conservative when it comes to risk, there are investment selections that are geared specifically towards those people. And it doesn't necessarily need to be kind of stocks. It can be bonds. It can be, you know, like high yield savings accounts, things of that nature. Um, so what I would say is I, I think people kind of look at investing as this kind of like gambling approach. I would say that it's more similar to betting. Um, where, you know, okay. you're using historical information in order to make kind of rational decisions based on that. You know, if you're betting on something with kind of 10 to 1 odds, that's something that you should feel pretty strongly about. Mm-hmm. And how do individuals know what they're betting on or that it is something that's a 10 to 1 odd situation? Right now is a really good opportunity to be kind of investing in things like bonds and treasuries that in the past really didn't return the yield where it felt appropriate to recommend people kind of lock up money in that. Now we're at a point where, it, where yeah, it's starting to, to make a lot more sense. Um, it's kind of interesting to see from how things have changed from when I started investing uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago to how things are now. There's always opportunities to make money. And it doesn't necessarily need to be taking an inappropriate or extreme amount of risk in order to do so. Are those things that there again, you just invest a certain amount of money, whatever you can afford and just leave it? Or are those things that you should expect to be watching all the time you want to take your money out of? How do those work? put money in something and, and leave it approach. Leave it. Okay. I mean, it is things like you should be kind of revisiting and looking at information on a periodic basis. But really, you know, I, I like recommending different types of investments for clients where, you know, it really is kind of like a more kind of midterm, long-term approach where they're not having to kind of look at fluctuations on a daily, even a weekly basis in order to kind of worry about like, you know, kind of where their money is, is sitting right now and where it's parked. I think that's the scariest piece of it. And I have a pretty Mm -hmm. surface level knowledge of all of these things, um, but really would probably have zero knowledge if my dad weren't interested in economics. Mm -hmm. He's always, I mean, we were looking at the newspaper when I was little following stocks and things like that. But if it weren't for him, I would have no idea. So you just feel for all of these people out here who didn't have that or don't have a knowledge because it is very overwhelming. Our wages, for the most part, are not reflecting what's going on in the world with increases in prices. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary that somebody needs to be reading the Wall Street Journal every day or even <laughs> tracking their investments on a day-to-day basis. I do think, you know, given this is a wellness podcast, I'll use the exercise metaphor where it is good, you know, when I'm exercising and have a routine that I'm doing on a daily, every other day basis, everything in my life seems to get better. And I would say the kind of same applies for finances. But I really, what I tell people is it's not something that you need to be doing on a daily, you know, every other day basis. If you're setting aside just one to two hours a month, you know, in order to kind of maintain a budget, take care of your finance, look at investments, that kind of thing, I promise that everything from a stress-related element to finances is going to be lower. You're going to have kind of more of an idea. You're going to feel more comfortable with 
how you're kind of saving for retirement, you know, how you're kind of going to start affording that house. And you just over time are going to kind of increase that amount of knowledge and feel more comfortable making these decisions on behalf of yourself and your family. It's not something that you need to be doing every single day, but it is something that I think for most people, they would really benefit from just allocating an hour or two a month to really making sure that these kind of things are being managed appropriately. And I'll ask you to correct me or summarize anything that I missed, but it's not about investing in a million different places or day trading. It's about making safe and sound investments based on what you can afford at the time that you're investing and essentially forgetting about those investments and letting the wealth build for yourself, trusting that your gut is leading you in the right direction. You nailed it, Abby. Like it's really kind of picking a few different investments that you feel strongly about, making sure you can really get diversified with your investments, just investing in a few different things so that, you know, the kind of day-to-day, week-to-week volatility isn't really something that bothers me at all because I know that this is something that I'm kind of investing with a three to five year time horizon. And that's really how I am, you know, invest my customers money as well. Danny, as we wrap up, I just want to say thank you so much for agreeing to do this. It's amazing again, how far we have come and our conversations have come since we were in college. (laughs) Um, But if you had maybe three solid takeaways for everybody who's listening to take away from this episode, what would they be? I I would say definitely make sure that you know kind of what your short and midterm financial goals are. It's really hard to kind of look ahead 10 plus years and know where you're going to be. But I think for a lot of people, it's really good for them to kind of sit down and really have a conversation with themselves, their partner and such about what the kind of three to five year kind of midterm financial goals look like and what it's going to kind of take to get there from both a budgeting and an investing perspective. The second thing I would tell people is try to stop comparing yourself to other people. There's an unhealthy relationship that a lot of people have with money, um, you know, when it relates to kind of seeing on social media, the, you know, different trips and the kind of lifestyle that people are living. The fact is a lot of that's kind of, you know, fake. Some of the people I see that are spending the most and are kind of living that kind of life are actually the people that kind of are in the unhealthiest financial situations and are kind of taking on a lot of debt. And then really the third thing that I would do is don't be afraid to kind of ask people for help. Uh, For a lot of people, kind of finances in this world is not something that they're very comfortable, even like dipping their toe into. What I would say is really kind of reach out to, it could be a professional like myself, or it could just be a friend or family member that's well-versed in, in, in this kind of stuff. And I'm sure that they would be happy to kind of do things like help you get set up with your 401k plan, kind of letting you know some places that you might want to park your money. Thank you for those. And Danny, how do people that are interested in working with you find you, contact you, and get that started? Yeah. So my website is sfadvisor.com. I'm happy to, I I always kind of offer a free hour consultation to people. Yeah. If anybody has any questions on any of this, I'm I'm, I'm always happy to set up a, set up a call and, and, and discuss. I really appreciate you being here. Hey, I appreciate you having me. This has been great. Yeah. If you are with us and believing being human is weird, then like, subscribe, share, all of those things that the kids are doing. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at beinghumanisweird. That's where we're going to be sharing resources, inspiration, and news about our podcast. And we would love to hear from you. So slide right into our DMs with questions, comments, and what you'd like to hear more of. And thank you so much for listening, weirdos.